West Virginia has dropped three straight games and sit at 2-4 and four in Big 12 play. Oklahoma has lost four straight and are in need of a win just as much as the Mountaineers. West Virginia hosts the Oklahoma Sooners on Wednesday night in what seems like a must-win game for both teams. West Virginia and Oklahoma battled in a double overtime matchup in Morgantown last year, and the two teams are set to battle as they both need a conference win. Oklahoma, under new head coach Porter Moser, will look to beat the Mountaineers on Wednesday night at the WVU Coliseum. This is the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. What's going on, everyone? Quinn Burkett, Aaron Parker, back here with Wes Shoemaker on a Monday evening around 6 o'clock here in Morgantown, West Virginia. And we are here to preview West Virginia and Oklahoma. Mountaineers currently 13-5, and 2-4 and four in the Big 12, need a win. Oklahoma, they've lost four straight. They also need a win badly. And these two teams will be coming to Morgantown at 8 o'clock on Wednesday night. Fellas, how are we doing? How was your weekend? It was good. good. Yeah. Outside of watching that Texas Tech Mountaineer game, yeah, but, uh, the rest of the rest of the weekend was good. Got some good, uh, and I got some good playoff football in too. Yeah. Some, sure. guess, we'll a, uh, guess we'll have a good championship round too. Yeah, I'd I'd like to have seen Josh Allen get a chance there in overtime, but I've also liked to see the Bills not let Patrick Mahomes go fifty yards in thirteen seconds. Guess we can't yeah. all get what we want, unfortunately. So, um. Basketball, West Virginia, they they need this one on Wednesday, to say the least, guys. Um, two and four in conference play. Things aren't as grim as they appear, I don't think. I think um, they've lost games that they're supposed to lose, and they've won games that they're supposed to win. Um, I think coming down in the next month, we'll really kind of find out who this team is. But as of now, I'm not, I'm not too worried about this team. Um, I do think Wednesday is a must win. I think if you're on your home floor against an Oklahoma team who's struggling, you can't let them beat you. Uh, you can't let. I, can't. Let I agree. Like I said in the last in the last episode, I think I think the Mountaineers need to come out as inspired as they've come out all year. Um, after these last three losses, they've been tough, but you got to get one on your home floor. Oklahoma's a good team, but they're twelve and seven right now, and you got to get this one. I think. Yeah, and let's mention that, I mean, Oklahoma's had a pretty similar Big 12 slate to West Virginia recently. Uh, I mean, they've lost to Baylor and Kansas, too. Um, and I think both those teams are just going to keep beating up on teams like West Virginia and Oklahoma in the Big 12. Um, but I think both these teams are hungry, but I think the Mountaineers are even more hungry. Yeah, uh, that, that's, what, that's what I was thinking, Quinn. Like, West Virginia right now, two and four in conference play. Obviously not the start fans want. Obviously not the start West Virginia wants. But if you look at West Virginia's five losses on the year, none of them are really a bad loss. You lost to number 17, Texas, number nine, Kansas, number five, Baylor, number 18, Texas Tech. And you lost to a Marquette team that's now just cracked the top 25, beaten three straight ranked opponents. And if you look at it, those three teams that West Virginia lost to, three of the four teams West Virginia lost to in conference, they're in the top 15 in the country. Texas obviously has dropped out of the top 25 this week. Auburn, speaking of the top 25, new number one, first time in program history. But West Virginia still has Texas Tech, Texas, Kansas, Iowa State all at home. They have Iowa State on the road, Baylor on the road, and the rest of their Big 12 schedule. And I just think if you take care of your home floor and beat Kansas, beat Texas, beat Iowa State, then you can kind of grab a road win and go beat Kansas State on the road and beat TCU on the road, then this team will be fine heading into the Big 12 tournament. I agree with that. You got to you gotta protect the Coliseum for uh, if you're West Virginia. I think they did a good job of that last year, although 
wasn't a ton of a, a crowd difference last yeah, year with COVID, but different environment uh, last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, definitely different environment. But they still did a good job last year. They lost a couple games, Texas, Baylor, and I think Oklahoma in double yeah. overtime. But they did a pretty good job of protecting home court, and they have to do that this year, considering the gauntlet that they're in right now and and the fact that they've lost three straight. Yeah, I think Oklahoma is a pretty different team from the what they have been. Um, they're bringing in. Uh, I mean, good players, but not as good as they've brought into the NBA. Yeah, uh, there's no Trey Young, no Buddy Heald on this team, I don't think, which is yeah, yeah. certainly I'm, a sigh of relief for Mountaineer fans who have seen them go at it at the Coliseum over the years. Yeah, and we've seen those guys in Morgantown, like you just said, Wesley. Um, but I mean, Oklahoma still has good players. They have a tall, they have a somewhat tall team like Baylor, um, which Western Junior have to look out for. Uh, Tanner Groves is the main guy I'm gonna say to look out for just because so big and we know how the Mountaineers are with their inside presence uh, this this season. Yeah, and inside is really going to be key, I think, here, not even just in this game, but going down the stretch of the season. It's not as much of an inside game as what I think some fans are making it seem. I think some fans expect West Virginia to just be able to overnight create a Derek Culver. That's not going to happen. He's not yeah. here. There's not that guy on this roster. He's not going to be here this year. You got You got the cards you got. But I do think there's a point to where you've got your Jalen Bridges, you got your Gabo Saboyans, and they've got to work together to not only gang rebound, but they have to work together to try and get any kind of production inside. Because if you don't get anything going inside, teams are just going to sit down in their stances on the three-point line, and you're not going to win many ball games like that. Uh, yeah, I agree. And especially with – we all – WVU fans in general, they kind of long for the past with guys like Kevin Jones and Nathan Adrian, just guys that could rebound the ball like that and, and put pressure on the ball as well. But like Gabo Saboyan is a super senior this year. He's not going to be back next year. So next year, Mountaineer fans are probably going to be longing for Gabo Saboyan. So, so you know, Mountaineer fans need to, uh, you know, appreciate them while, while they have them, but they need to, uh, to, to be rebounding the basketball and, and hopefully they can turn that around because – Texas Tech got 15 offensive boards on Saturday, and that's got to improve, especially against a, a physical Oklahoma team. I think uh, I think while also getting uh, inside presence, how about a fan favorite in Pauly Pollock up this season? Uh, I feel like every time he goes on the floor, the, fan, the West Virginia student section goes crazy. The uh, I wish he could uh, produce as much as uh, he gets an applause for sometimes. Um, yeah, I think there was a stat I heard listening to the broadcast on Saturday. I think his first two points in conference play or his second basket in conference play happened against Texas Tech. And that's where we see our lack of production for this team is this team needs to find a guy that can go get them eight points a game. Just give me four layups on the inside. Make them think about it. And I think I think you have to look. I think Isaiah controls the guy. I think he can shoot. He, we know he can make stuff near the basket. He's got a little hook shot that he likes to go to, a little turnaround left shoulder, right hook. And I just think if he can get going and give me, give this team six points inside and then knock down a three, knock down a mid-range shot and get about eight to 12 points a night, not every night, obviously, but if he can give you some of that, I think that would be huge for this team going forward. I agree with that. With Cottrell, you got to give the Mountaineers about, yeah, six or eight points a game. 
he's got that little hook shot you mentioned that he likes to go to. There's been some times it hasn't looked too good, you know, barely getting iron, sometimes all backboard. But, like, I know he can do that. So, I would like him for him to get that going. And, yeah, six a game, eight a game, it's just something like that, a consistent six a game. And uh, that's what the Mountaineers need for sure right now. Uh, Charles been your guy, I've noticed, Wesley. He, uh, I think if, if Huggins can get him going, if uh, JB can do what he does, uh, I mean, he provides on offense – a good amount, and he can shoot the three ball like we've seen, I think, against Texas Tech some. Um, and you have Gabe right in the middle, and he plays the best defense, a, a lot better defense than a lot of big men in the, uh, in the Big 12. But I think if you three those three guys, at least, um, just get something, some consistency. That's exactly your guys' point. Um, but. That's what, yeah, that's what it all comes back to is consistency. This team, this, no, no one's asking Cottrell to go give you 20 and 10. No one's asking Polycap to go get 10 boards, block five shots, and finish with eight points. All this team and Bob Huggins, I think, is trying to find is some level of consistency because there's been times where Cottrell's rebounded the ball, Cottrell scored from the inside and out. And there's been times where Cottrell has been a ghost and people are rebounding all over him. You have guards getting rebounds over him. And there's been times where you have had have had Pauly Cap and Kerrigan blocking shots, getting rebounds. And then you've had times where they look completely lost in like Big 12 basketball isn't for them. And I think that's what's going to have to change. But I also think there's one other thing to this. It's only January 24th. This team has another month of conference play. Then they have the Big 12 tournament. And so I think... As time goes on, especially with Cottrell and that Achilles, if he can get somewhat back to where he was before the injury, I think that will help as well. Yeah, definitely. And like you like you mentioned, it's only January. WB's got a lot of home games coming up uh, over the next you know couple weeks to a month, and and they, they got to capitalize on that. And even guys like we were just talking about, Polycap, we want them to be a little bit more consistent. Um, he loves playing in front of the home crowd. He's always giving love to the student section. I think, I think something like that will get him going a little bit more because, like you said, he's only, only scored a couple field goals since Big 12 play started. So they need to use that home court advantage to, uh, to start getting going and be more consistent. Yeah, you talk, you talk about that home court advantage. And looking at their schedule, they, they don't have like they, they're going to have they have to win at Oklahoma. They go to Arkansas, go to Baylor, and they come home for Texas Tech, like. If you're gonna if you're gonna want to make some noise and get into the NCAA tournament, I think Oklahoma on Wednesday is the game you've got to win no matter what. And then I think Texas Tech and, and on the fifth, and then Iowa State on the eighth. Those are must-win games almost too. You've got to win your home floor games and then be able to split on the road to compete in the Big Twelve. Yeah, Absolutely. I think uh, these are must-win games actually, Wesley against Oklahoma, both Oklahoma and Arkansas um, coming up. It's just brutal that the Mountaineers have to play Baylor and Texas Tech and then turn right around to play them again. I feel like that happens all the time in sports where a team has to play one division rival at the top of the top of the standings and then have to turn right back around uh, and play them again. But it's almost February and uh, we still, like we've been talking about, there still is the inconsistent inside pressure, inside uh, inside scoring, but. Um, I think since Sean just didn't have such a good game on uh, on Saturday, you just have to get him going again against Baylor. Against Oklahoma? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all good, all good. Aaron? 
Yeah, I agree. Sean's got to got to get more touches. Uh, even I know he was absent against Texas Tech, but he was good against Baylor. But like, only shot five three pointers. He made three out of the five. But we got to, you know, we, you know, you got to get him more touches uh, down the stretch. In that Baylor game, Taz ended up taking like eleven threes, and that's fine. But Sean's got to get some touches, and I think he will get some touches. I think he'll get some early. Uh, Baseline jumpers early in the uh, Oklahoma game, I think he'll get going for sure. Yeah, Huggins kind of mentioned that Taz thing, and I think I kind of talked about this a little bit after the Texas Tech game, but Huggins was a little, I wouldn't say disappointed. I, I would say more surprised. I think he was surprised. He did say Taz was carrying them offensively, which he was, but he said Taz carrying them led to him forcing things he's never seen him do before and I think that's the I think that's a problem I think if you're Taz you can't try and do too much because when you try and do too much you you're it's hard to win games that way if you can't get everyone going and I get it I get no one else was making shots I get Sean was struggling I get JB was in foul trouble I get most of your big men were in foul trouble but I still think Huggins wants to try and get Sean involved, try and get JB involved, because then that just helps Taz out more if those other guys are able to get going. Absolutely. I agree with you. And then with talking about Taz forcing it a couple of times, once against Baylor, once against Texas Tech, it was late in the Baylor game. He threw it, threw the ball right to, to Matthew Meyer, which led for, led for a breakout. Uh, nobody was helping him, but like Hug said, he's he's seeing Taz force some things that he's never seen Taz have, have to force before. And he made another pass like that against Texas Tech that led to a run out. So other guys got to step up. I think um, I think Sean and I also think JB are going to do that um, on Wednesday. I think Taz should just be uh, Lily Curry's uh, teacher full on and teach him his game. The uh, I think if you can get Curry consistently, I mean, he did it again against Texas Tech. Um, and Oklahoma is easier defense to go around for sure. Um, if you have him in double digits, uh, Taz in double digits, Sean in double digits, and either Osaboy and JB in double digits, we're gonna you're gonna win this game. Yeah, T- Taz's turnovers are the thing that's is that's a little not not doesn't bother me because he touches the ball so much. So by virtue he's going to turn the ball over but he turned the ball over a combined nine times against Baylor and Texas Tech and you just can't do that you can't do that against two top 15 teams in the country obviously they're hard and obviously they're good defenses but you just can't do that another thing I want to talk about is West Virginia plays Arkansas next Saturday Oklahoma beat Arkansas by 22 earlier in the season so obviously West Virginia hasn't played Arkansas so you can't really compare the common opponents yet but there's still something to be said, I think, about Oklahoma beating a top 20 team in Arkansas that they were at the time and heading into the year. I agree. Oklahoma's a good basketball team. Um, I think Arkansas had some struggles early, but Arkansas, they're picking it back up. They're still they're, – they're a good team. And uh, I just – I think Oklahoma's better than what their record says. I mean, they they went through a very tough schedule. They, they had Kansas about beat at home. Uh, heartbreaking loss there. Lost at Texas at TCU. I was the home to Baylor. They're a good team, and they got experience with uh, Elijah Harkless. They got uh, Jacob and Tanner Groves. I know they weren't on Oklahoma last year, but they have that experience from Eastern Washington, and I think their X factor is Emoja Gibson. Um, he's got experience, played at North Texas, played at Oklahoma last year, and scored 
like 19 in Morgantown last year. Yeah, and he so, scored 29 in the other matchup and made eight three-pointers in yeah. Morgan. Yeah, and the one in Morgantown, he had the um, the field goal to send the game into overtime, and Oklahoma ended up winning in double overtime, and he had 13 in the second half. I mean, he's a very good player, and I don't I don't hear him being recognized and talked about enough. I think I think that's what it's going to come down to, though, is if West Virginia can get enough ball pressure to limit some of these guys. There's so many good scores in the Big 12 that if West Virginia can't ball pressure, ball pressure, ball pressure, force tough shots, these guys are going to get what's theirs and they're going to score 15, 20, 23 points per game. And that's just not how you can beat good teams. No, I don't, I don't think Oklahoma was a rollover at all, like Aaron was saying. Uh, I mean, Harkless, he is the one of the leaders on this team. He's scoring nine point, He's only scoring 9.9 points a game. Um, but I think their ball movement and the fact that uh, they've won 6'10 guy in Tanner Groves, uh, that's going to be a challenge for West Virginia's front court, like I said earlier. And um, Groves is also scoring 12.7 points per game. So I think he's going to be the X factor for Oklahoma uh, on Wednesday. And then everybody in their starting lineups getting at least not a game. They can cons- consistently score the ball around the horn. Yeah. It's not just it's not just Tanner Groves. It's it's all of them that can make you pay. And if you leave them open in the corner or the wing, they're they're going to hit their shots. Yeah. Another thing I want to talk about with regarding Oklahoma and Texas Tech. This was the case too. They have a new head coach. Um, yeah. And I think what Big 12 basketball fans and West Virginia fans have become accustomed to is really good coaching in this league. And when you, when you have a new coach who can lead this team to the start that they were on and then kind of help change things and help get things to what they were when Lon Kruger was still there, although they don't have the talent, but they are still getting the wins. I think that shows how good the coaches are in this league and how good Oklahoma can be. Yeah. The big 12, like you said, they've got great coaching and they're not going to settle for second or third best. Uh, their new coach, I believe his name is Porter Moser. Yeah. He's from uh, Loyola, Chicago. Loyola, Chicago. Yep. Loyola, Chicago. It re- led the, the Ramblers to that amazing run. I mean, two, he's two, proven two runs. They two runs. Runs. yeah, yeah. He's proven that it wasn't just a one-year wonder. So when a coaching availability comes up for a school like Oklahoma, a big school like that, they're not going to settle for second best. They're going to get the best guy out there. And I I think he's one of the best ones that they could have gotten. Yeah, and we've seen what a new coach uh, means to a program. I feel like against Texas Tech, um, we saw – I mean, Mark Adams, obviously, he hasn't downgraded the program at all. Um, And he's still – been able to recruit and coach at like a high level, just like Beard did. Um, but I think any new coach in the Big 12, like Adams. Uh, Iowa State as well. Yeah. yeah. There's a few examples. So I don't think it changes a lot uh, because I thought, I think a lot of the same ideas and um, ways of coaching are is still in line. From yeah. My, my favorite stat Huggins always goes to is the, look how many Big 12 coaches have been to the final four. Well, you get rid of a Final Four coach and you get another Final Four coach that comes yeah. to places. Like, that's, yeah. that's just, You're not missing that's just a absurd. Beat. Not missing a beat at all. So, um, last thought for me on West Virginia this week. Um, obviously, it's must win. Obviously, it's not going to be easy. But I do think there is some validity. And I know 
there if you if you're on Twitter and you see a lot of things on Twitter, you probably saw this. There was some there was a lot of frustration from this WVU roster following Texas Tech. They felt like that was a game they should have won. They were frustrated with a lot of fans at Texas Tech. Not going to really get into that because we weren't there. Obviously, don't know what was said either way. But I think there is a point where if you're pissed off enough and you're mad enough about Texas Tech where you've got to come out and show that aggression and show that, okay, we're tired of getting walked over, losing these tough games, losing these close games against good teams. You've got to take it to someone. Yeah, I agree. And I think a couple of players that are going to do that are, are Sean and JB. JB, especially with Jalen Bridges, he, he gets into it and you saw his emotion in the Texas Tech game. I know he fouled out, but when he fouled out, I, he might have said something to the students. He was just – he was all all sorts of flustered. I think he, he ripped was hot. He, like, he was he hot his, that I haven't yeah. seen maybe hot before. Yeah. He ripped the neck of his jersey, and, you know, he's always apologizing on social media after a loss. I think he cares a lot, you know, being a kid from Fairmont. So, I got him coming out um, and playing great against Oklahoma, playing inspired. And I got Sean getting, getting 15 against Oklahoma. I don't think he's going to be satisfied with uh, – what he scored six against Texas Tech. I don't think he's going to be satisfied with that for two straight games. Yeah, I think JB also has a little bit to play for. He he didn't he played in almost fifty minutes. He like if I'm looking at the stats right now. He had the most minutes out of anyone last year in that double overtime game. He played forty eight minutes. Deuce played forty five. Sean played forty six. JB only finished with eight points. He went four of eleven from the field, zero four from three. I think he has something to prove. Not only that. He is capable of playing at this level, which we have seen. And I think he's mad from Texas Tech, is going to want to put it to Oklahoma from his down performance last year. And I think he could have a really big day on, on Wednesday. I, I, was say, I was just going to say Sean needs to get back in the needs to get back in the flow. Because uh, I think he is going to be pissed off, like you guys said from last game. Um, I think if they can get him going uh, and Curry again. If they can get Curry going again, they're going to have a good day. The thing for me with Sean is this. Sean has had his best days when he scores in the first half. He's gotten most of his points when he scored his 17s, 20s, 25s, 26, when he scored 15-plus in the first half. Now, the only problem is Sean. it's hard for Sean to create for himself, and he needs other guys to help him create. And so if you're able to get Sean going early, I think that bodes well. But when Sean doesn't get going early, you kind of see him fall back. You kind of see him not take a step down, but kind of just wait for things to happen rather than him being more of an aggressor, trying to make things happen himself. Agreed. And um, we've seen him multiple times, you know, talking about the getting a good first half start. You see him a lot of times open the game with that little baseline, like it's almost a three-pointer, but he's got a hand in his face. You're kind of like a one-dribble from the three-point yeah, line. Dribble, yep. Yeah, a one-dribble pull-up with one, maybe two hands in his face. And when he gets that first one down, I mean, he's a pure shooter. So when shooters get that first one down, it's it's a mental game after that. And I'd like to see him get that first one, that second one And I also one think it works the other way. When he doesn't get it going, yeah. and then he has to it force threes like – from four feet out from the three-point line. I mean, he has to start forcing shots that aren't high-percentage shots, which he shoots anyway because that's who he is. I think that hurts him throughout the game. Yeah, 
it, it sucks when um, when you see a couple go out, maybe that should go in, they go out, and uh, you know you get down on yourself. But Sean's Sean's um, Sean's good. He's he's a fifth year senior. He knows the mental aspect of the game, and um, so I think he's going to be ready to to just come out and make shots. and And he's gonna he's gonna play a good game. Yeah, looking looking at it now, um, Taz is still second in the league in scoring at eighteen point nights per game, nine points per game. Excuse me, Sean's crept up there. Sean's averaging fourteen points per game, seventh in the Big Twelve right now. And I think, as Quinn said, getting Sean going is the key. Trying to get someone other than Taz to score the ball is key for West Virginia against Oklahoma. Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed, but Sean's been getting to the bucket just a little bit better than he usually does. I know he's not an interior scorer by any means. But I feel like the last two or three games, he's gone gone to the cup a few times. I think he hit somebody with a re- reverse layup, and he got to the cup once or twice against uh, Texas Tech. So hopefully he'll be able to create for himself a little bit more than what he's been doing. Yeah, guys, and I think one of the keys to Sean getting going is just passing the ball and finding open looks because, like I think Wesley was saying, He'll, he'll shoot balls, but he'll have two, a bunch of hands in his face. And you, that's not quality shots. Uh, I feel like you want quality shots over anything. And just passing the ball inside out, uh, moving it, it's just open so many so many lanes. Yeah, one, one more thing here for me. Last year, double overtime game in Morgantown. Um, Aaron, I know you wrote a piece on that today. How much do you think that might have a mental effect going forward? Do you think these guys – think in their minds, all right, last year they got us late. Um, we had chances to win it, and we couldn't do that. Do you guys think that they think about that? Or do you think, all right, that's a year ago, new season, new group, doesn't matter? I think I think the thought definitely goes through your head if you're somebody like maybe JB. You know, you say he didn't play that well. He did have a tip in to force double overtime. So he did have one little good moment there, but he didn't play his best. Um, you know, Deuce – Deuce is not here anymore, but he didn't play his best. And we had we, Mountaineers had plenty of chances to win. So I think the thought definitely does come to their head. Um, WV should have won that game three, four different times over, and yet they didn't. They let Gibson shoot open threes all game. He barely had a contested look. They let Austin Reeves shoot on him all day long. Um, and they lost by one in double overtime. That stings. And I think they're definitely going to think about that again. Yeah, didn't we lose to Texas Tech, and then we beat them at their place, I want to say? Last year, uh, no, last year, West Virginia swept Texas Tech. Yes. Yeah. Last year, so, West, West Virginia won at Texas Tech with the Chris Beard meltdown, and then they won in West in Morgantown with Deuce hitting the shot and then McClung coming down and missing at the buzzer. And they lost – Mountaineers lost both to Oklahoma last year. The one in Norman. Yep. The one in Norman was right after – Right after, after Austin. Left. Yep, yep. And it was like a 20-point game, and the Mountaineers came back and got their – ended up getting – they're I think they lost by four or six. Like yeah, that. six. So, no. yeah, I, I definitely think they're uh, going to want to beat Oklahoma. You don't want to lose three, four straight to a team, especially a team you can compete with. Yeah, I don't think it'll be too much in their minds. Um, this isn't the same team by any means. Uh, you didn't have Deuce on the team this year. Um, and I think Taz and Sean are just hungry for a win right now. Anything else on Oklahoma or West Virginia, guys, before we do picks? Um, no, it's just – it's both teams are hungry. But, uh, you know, I think that's going to make for a great game. I think it's going to be like a three- or four-point game by the time it's all said and done. Score predictions, guys? 
I got the Mountaineers winning by five. They need it. They're going to get it at home. Quinn, who do you got? Yeah, I have West Virginia, too. Um, I'm going to say by 10, um, just because we've lost three straight in a row coming home. Um, I think Sean will shoot the ball well, and I think it will be in the first half, like you said, Wesley. Um, and I think that uh, we'll, move, we'll move the ball well, and I don't think we'll have as much trouble inside as we have the last three games. Yeah, I, th- I think West Virginia is going to win. Um, how close it'll be, I think it'll be about six points. I think both teams are desperate. I think both teams really, really, really need a win. And Oklahoma getting a win in Morgantown would be pretty good for their re- resume. Um, I think West Virginia is going to come out, play a little inspired basketball. They've lost three straight, got embarrassed by Kansas, lost a game they should have won to Baylor, lost a game that was in their reach against Texas Tech, and I think they're going to want to win it. As for uh, picks, last week everyone went three and two um, on the weekend slate. Now for a um, little timestamp right now, it is 6.43 on Monday, meaning it is still before any basketball games have been played this week. So I'm going to go to Quinn first, then Aaron. Um, Quinn, who do you have Texas Tech at Kansas? I'm going to take Texas Tech in this one just right. because and then, uh, of them. Who do you have, Kansas State at Baylor? Uh, Baylor. Texas at TCU? Uh, Texas. And then Iowa State at Oklahoma State? I'll take Iowa State. Now, Aaron, uh, Texas Tech and KU? Really like Texas Tech, but I've learned to never pick against Kansas. Kansas. Kansas State and Baylor. Uh, Baylor by double digits. Texas TCU. I got TCU. They're playing well. They just beat Iowa State by 15 on the road. Nobody's talking about that. So TCU. And then, and then Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State and close one. And then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Kansas as well. I don't see Texas Tech sweeping Kansas on the year. Uh, Kansas State, Baylor, give me the Bears. Texas, TCU, I, I do agree with you, Aaron. TCU's playing really good basketball. Give me TCU. And then Iowa State, Oklahoma State, give me Iowa State. So that is it for today's episode. Uh, if you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. West Virginia, Oklahoma, 8 o'clock, WVU Coliseum on Wednesday. Thank you for listening. This is the Blue and Gold Sports Podcast.